Well, it's good to be together. So, monsters under the bed. Right? Those things that we, we, we lay awake at night. And the things that, that, that keep us from falling asleep. Right? Those thoughts that enter our brain. The things that we, that we worry about. The things that we, that we just spend our, our, our time and our minds just examining and thinking about. What are those things? And, and more importantly, what does the Bible have to, to say about them? Last week we looked at anxiety, and, and in, in a similar way, uh, today we're looking at the unknown. How do we handle the unknown? The fact that we don't know what tomorrow holds, what the future holds. And last week, Pastor Matt kind of uh, tipped off where we're going this weekend with the unknown. So I, I want to jump right into the passage of Matthew chapter 6. And I want to read uh, this account of, of Jesus talking to people and, and addressing this idea of what do we do with this idea of the unknown? <clears throat> so Matthew 6, verses 25 through 34. Therefore, I tell you, don't worry about your life, what you will eat or drink, or about your body, what you will wear. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothes? Look at the birds of the air. They do not sow or reap or store away in barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not much more valuable than they? Can any one of you, by worrying, add a single hour to your life? And why do you worry about clothes? See how the flowers of the field grow. They do not labor or spin. Yet I tell you that not even Solomon in all his splendor was dressed like one of these. If that is how God clothes the grass of the field, which is here today and tomorrow, is thrown into the fire, will he not much more clothe you, you of little faith? Now listen to these last couple of verses. So do not worry, saying, what shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? For the pagans run after all these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them. But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. When it, when it comes to worry about the unknown or fear of the unknown, we can become fixated on it. We can become paralyzed by it. We, we just, we don't know what to do. So today we're going to look at how the Bible tells us to deal with it. How do we deal with the worry and the fear of the unknown? The fact that we don't know exactly what tomorrow is going to hold. We don't know how different decisions are going to pan out. We don't know what the future holds. All right? So let's look at the Bible, Matthew 6, verse 34 again. Don't worry about tomorrow. Don't do it. The end. There we go. That, that's like a mic drop. It's hard to do a mic drop when your mic's hooked to your ear. But like, that's it. There you go. The Bible says don't worry about it. So how do we handle with the unknown? Don't. Don't worry. You guys don't seem to be, that's not enough? You're going to... All right, we can, we can go a little bit more. 
Right? The, the, the reality is that's it. Right? But I, I think we need to figure out how do we walk through the unknown, right? Because we all wrestle with this. This is something we all deal with, right? Uh, be honest with me. How many of you have ever said something like this? Hey, if only God would give me a sign, right? If, if only God would just talk to me like he did in the Bible, right? If only God would do that. I could handle the unknown. Now, have you guys ever said that or thought that? <laughs> I know many of us have, right? I've done that. We've, we've thought that. Right? If I just had it, it just right there in front of me, God just showed up. If he just sent an angel to talk to me, then I'd be all right. I could handle anything in the future. Now, before we just accept that, that logic or that, that excuse, let's, let's, be, let's be honest here. Let's, let's be realistic about what we're saying and asking an angel to come and talk to us. Because keep in mind that the angels that we read about in God's Word aren't the little precious moments, keepsakes, grandma clicks, right? There's a reason that every, almost every encounter with an angel recorded in the Bible, the, the angel's first words are, don't be afraid. Because I think those people who encounter an angel were terrified. A lot of the people who encountered angels or encountered the Son of God in the Bible fell as if dead in front of them. Also, most of the angel or God-delivered messages in the Bible weren't the kind of good news that we're often asking for. Right, it's not like God showed up and talked to Jeremiah and told Jeremiah, hey, good news, I've got a great career all planned out for you. Go ahead and move to Jerusalem, buy a nice house, you're going to have a great life. Right, God's instructions to Jeremiah were almost the exact opposite. God's instructions to Jeremiah were to go and go to the king and to all the people and tell them the end's coming and tell them that they're all sinners and God's going to destroy the nation and you're going to be hated and despised. And that's not all. <laughs> right? So even if we can get over the fact that angels aren't terrifying... Or the angels are terrifying. Their messages aren't just like happy fortune cookie answers that we're excited to hear. We still have this problem that we say, well, if God just showed up and told me, then I could obey no problem. You see, that, the problem is that that argument is, is proved wrong time and time again in the Bible. Look at, look at all the stories in the Bible of people who had just that happen and didn't obey. And didn't handle the future well. Zechariah, a priest, <laughs> doubted what the angel told him. And as a result was mute until his son John was born. Jonah got instructions from God and ran in the opposite direction. Moses doubted and bartered and tried to get out of the instruction that God gave him. And on top of all of that, the very beginning, Adam and Eve, in relationship with God, given very simple instruction, enjoy everything, don't eat of this tree, they decide to do, go their own way. 
And so we come up with the idea, well, if God just came and talked to me, then I'd be the exception. I'd be the one who could handle the unknown and obey God and everything would be just fine. So if the way that we handle the unknown isn't having an angel show up and tell us what we're going to have to deal with, or God coming and giving us some audible message, how do we handle the unknown? I think there's some, some simple steps that we can follow that will help us do this. And I say simple because they're simple, but at the same time, they're all extremely difficult. And the first one is, is this. Quit trying to know the future or control it. Nobody knows the future. No other person knows what's going to happen. And yet, for some reason, we all keep continually buying this lie that everybody else somehow knows. And I'm the only one left worrying or doubting or uncertain about things. And we, we do it all, and, and our kids do it. Right? Some of you have high school kids, and, and some of them are probably sitting there like, well, all my friends know exactly what, what they were made for, and they know what they're going to do. They know they've got their college and career plans all laid out, and they just know because God told them, I just don't know, so I'm the only one who doesn't know. Right? Or maybe it's the, the issue of relationships. I don't know what, what to do. I don't know where to go. It seems like everybody else is so certain and sure. They must have got some instruction for God. Why am I the only one who doesn't know? Or careers, or just everyday life, or how to handle finances. We, we buy this lie that we're the only one who doesn't know. There's the truth. Nobody knows. The future is unknown. So quit trying to know it. Quit trying to control it and worry about it. Listen, listen to the, the verse that people love to, to quote and, and throw out. It's a, it's a great verse. Jeremiah 29, 11, For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Notice that. I know the plans I have for you. Not, you now know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. But God knows. We don't. Proverbs 20, 24, A person's steps are directed by the Lord. How then can anyone understand their own way? It's not our job to know the future. And so one of the ways that we, we handle the unknown is we, is we stop fixating on it. We stop worrying about it. We stop spending all our time worrying about the unknown, and we, and we trust that we, we can't know it. And there's so much freedom in that. So as... Like I said, the, these things are simple, right? You can't know the future, so don't try to control it. Step one, easy, right? Now we can spend the rest of our lives trying to do that one thing because it's, it's so hard. But to help us get our minds wrapped around how to, this idea of how do we handle the unknown, I, I want to spend the rest of our time uh, reading through the, this, uh, an Old Testament story. And an Old Testament story of somebody who was, who was at one of these crossroads of, of the unknown. How do we handle it? 
And as we look at this story, I think we can pull out some of those same truths about the way we handle the unknown and, and the choices we make and how do we walk through the unknown. And the story is that of Joshua crossing the, the Jordan River with the people of Israel to go in and conquer the promised land. If you want to follow along, you can turn to Joshua chapters 3 and 4, and that starts about page 171 of your chair Bible. Now, just to, to, to get this story in a little bit of, 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 of context so you know where we're at in the story of the people of Israel, Joshua is, is brand new as the leader of Israel, right? The great leader Moses just died. And they're standing on the banks of the River Jordan looking into this promised land that, that God promised to give them after he freed them from Egypt. And they got scared and didn't go in, so they just spent 40 years wandering through the wilderness. And during that time, Moses went from being the great leader to like one of the greatest leaders of all time. Now remember this, the story of Moses, right? Moses is the one who God used to, to free the people of Israel from Egypt, right? And, and Moses is the one who talked with his brother Aaron to Pharaoh, and all the plagues come down on Egypt. And it's Moses leading the, the people of Israel, and they cross through the Red Sea as God parts the Red Sea. And it's Moses who God speaks to face to face. And Moses brings down the, the Ten Commandments. And, and during those 40 years throughout the wilderness, every day they're getting manna, bread from heaven. And quail just flies into their camp and they get to eat fresh meat. Right? And when they're thirsty, God uses Moses to take bitter water and make it fresh or make water pour out of a rock. And God frees them from uh, and saves them as they're being attacked by enemies. God, God did amazing things through Moses, right? Moses, whose face glows because he talks like face to face with God. That leader, right? The superhero, best leader ever, just died, and now Joshua's in charge, right? Now we're standing ready to do what Moses wasn't able to do lead the people in and conquer the land. I forgot to mention that during that whole time, every day and night, where did Moses take the people? Well, it was easy. There was either this pillar of fire or pillar of clouds that you just followed. No question. That's now gone too. Joshua's in charge. You think he's facing some unknown? Some worry about what, what's going to happen, right? Can I live up to that? The reason we didn't go in and conquer the land in the first place is because we're all too scared because it was filled with giants and cities with walls built up to the heavens. And under Moses' leadership, we couldn't do it, so now I'm in charge. And I love how this story plays out because in, in Joshua 3 verse 4, the instruction of the people is, is, is so great. And it says, since you have never been this way before, right? God knows. The people are all questioning. Joshua is questioning. Everything's changing. And God gives them instructions, but in part of the instructions, since you've never been this way before, since you're now entering the unknown, 
You got into a rhythm wandering the wilderness. You got into a rhythm with Moses, your leader. Everything's changing. There's this new thing in front of you, this uncertainty, this unknown. Since you've never been this way before, let me tell you what's going on. You see, because God still loved his people. Israel was his special possession. He rescued them out of Egypt. He had made a covenant with them. He had made a promise. And he was going to bring them into the promised land. God knew that the people needed to get across the river. He knew that they needed to go and conquer fortified cities. He knew the people were really nervous. He knew there were doubts about Joshua and about whether he was going to be as good a leader. He knew that Joshua had those same doubts and that Joshua probably had all those same fears. What am I going to do? And so this next point, I think this one is so simple and yet so important. God knows and God loves his people. The Father knows what you need. I'm going to go back really quick to Matthew chapter 6, verse 31. It says, the pagans run after all these things, right? What do we eat? What do we drink? What what, what do we wear? All those things. And and it goes as your heavenly Father knows that you need them. We spend all this time worrying about stuff. God knows that you need them. God knows what you need. He knows your worries. He knows your fears. He knows your uncertainties. He knows them. And he cares. He is our father and he loves us. All of us who have put our hope in Jesus, we've been adopted into his family. We've been grafted into his family. We are sons and daughters of God. And God is our father and he is a good Father. The New Testament spends a lot of time talking about how Jesus and God is a a shepherd and he cares for his sheep. We're those sheep. He knows us. He made us. He chased after us. He rescued us. He, He loves us. And as any good father loves his children, God loves us. And he cares for us, and he knows what we need, and he knows what we worry about, and he knows what everything. <coughs> and so as we stand in these moments where we, where we face the unknown, one of the ways that we handle the unknown is that we have to remember that God is our Father, and he knows what we need. In fact, he knew about him before it even came across our attention that it was an issue or a problem or a worry. He knows us. And we can take comfort in that, that we have a father who knows us perfectly and who loves us. I want to go back to the, the story again because in that moment of facing the unknown, I think it's so important that we do have to pause and remember that God knew all this. 
He knew everybody's fears and worries and, and doubts, and, and he understood it. Because those people, as they stand there on the banks of the Jordan, right, many of them, a, a ha- or a handful of them, had actually walked through the Red Sea. So they're standing here next to a flooded river, knowing they have to go over there. And, and some of them had walked through the Red Sea when God parted it. All of them had heard the story. They knew it. But there's a few things different. First time with the Red Sea, the enemy was behind them, chasing them. They are trying to get away. This time they stand on the river and the enemy is over there. They're trying to get to the enemy to conquer them. Also, when they crossed the Red Sea, Moses raised his staff. God parted the Red Sea and they walked across on dry land. This time, God said he would part the waters once they obeyed. Now look at this story. Right, because here's the, the way that we handle the unknown. This is where it really starts to get to, to, the, to the heart of what we do. Right, those first two points are things that we have to, to know. Truths that we have to cling to. But, but here's where uh, we have to, to, to bring our part into it. We're called to obey. The way we handle the unknown, we trust God and we walk into it. The way Jesus said it there in Matthew chapter 6 that we read at the beginning is seek first the kingdom of God. See, God didn't just swoop in on on the the people of Israel and fix their problem and and save the day. He asked for them to demonstrate their obedience and to trust in Him. The instructions were... The, the cloud of fire, or the cloud and the pillar of fire that you've been following, it's gone. So now this new way, the priests are going to walk forward carrying the Ark of the Covenant. They're going to walk into this flooded river. And once they're in the river, I'm going to stop the water. And then you'll all walk across. God told them what he was going to do. But they still had to do it. It's not like they walked up to the river and it's like a red light and then all of a sudden water stops, green light, go ahead and go across. It's like, no, there's a flooded river. Now, think, I want you to think this through with me, right? You have this, this flooded river. The, the Bible says that the Jordan River was flooded. And we, we know what, what a flooded river looks like around these parts, right? We had, we had a, a few examples of that this last spring, right? It's a nice big flooded Mississippi. Right? And in verse 15 and 16, it says, Once the feet of the priest touched the water, it piled up in a great heap, a great distance away in a town called Adam. Now, again, imagine this. The Mississippi River is flooded. You go down by the river walk, and God says, once you step into the water, I'm going to stop the river. And so you step into the water. And the moment you demonstrate your trust and you step into that water, and you're now ankle deep there right by the gazebo. I guess if it's flooded, you're like above the gazebo. Right? And you're standing there at the river walk in the Mississippi River, ankle deep. And the moment you demonstrate your faith, God stops the river up at Guttenberg. It takes a little while for that water to drain out, right? And so put yourself in the Israelite shoes. They're standing there, all lined up, ready to go. Standing on the banks of this flooded river. And they watch as these priests 
demonstrate a great deal of faith and stand there in front of everybody carrying the ark and step into the river. And then they stand there. And all the Israelites are standing there on the bank watching. Nothing's happening. Everybody's just staring. And then, then you hear a voice going, hey, I, I, think, I think the water's going down. No, you're just, you're just saying things. No, no, look at, look at the priest's ankle. That, that strap of his sandal, that was underwater a second ago. Just moved his foot. It's like, no. No, I think, I think the water's starting to go down. And then sure enough, everybody at the front starts to see it. They start to see that the water is slowly going down. The water is all draining away. And sure enough, slowly but surely, the water drains away and there's a dry riverbed in front of them. And the people of Israel all march across into the promised land. Now put yourself in that moment, right? God asked them to step out in faith, to trust Him, and they did it. And there was a lot of doubt in that moment, right? There's, there's a lot of that. And those in the front, those, the priests carrying the ark and all those standing there on the mix, it, it probably took a lot of faith for them to stand there. Especially when nothing immediately happened and they're probably like, so what do we, what do, we do now? Right? There were probably a lot of people gathered there that day that had a ton of doubt but were standing there because somebody else kind of drug them along. It's like, no, 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 trust me, God's doing something. Nothing's happening. No, trust me, I think the, water, the water's going down. God's, God's stopping the river. You see, eventually it became clear. And with each passing moment of the water level dropped, their faith grew. You see, as we obey God, as we walk in faith, as we walk in obedience, as we experience God's faithfulness, our faith in our good Father grows. And as our faith in our good Father grows, we, we, we gain more and more ability to face the unknown. But even as, we, as our faith grows, and even at time and time again as we face the unknown, right? Th this isn't a one and done thing. Right? Th this comes repeatedly again and again and again. Or the moment we get through one challenge, once we get through one trial, once we get through one experience of, of trusting God through the unknown, um, there's another one waiting. And we're again stuck in this point where we're like, okay, I got, I got to trust God with this unknown again. And our good Father knows that. Look what he had the people of Israel do as they crossed the river. Joshua chapter 4 verse 2. It says, choose 12 men, one from each tribe, to pick up a stone from the middle of the river, right where the priests were standing. And I want you to pile them up where we camp tonight. So they did that. And why? In verse 6 it says, to serve as a sign among you. In the future, when your children ask you, what do these stones mean? 
Tell them these stones are a memorial to the people of Israel forever. These stones are a memorial. So when you see them, you remember. When your children ask about them, you can tell them. We came up against a flooded river that we couldn't get across and God stopped the water. It's a reminder. So the fourth step to handling the unknown is we need to remember the faithfulness of God. We need to set up stones to remember what God has done, both in our own life and through God's word and through history. We can look at all the times that God has been faithful and he has cared for his children, that he has cared for his people. You see, we need reminders. We need reminders when God is faithful. We need reminders when God answers prayer. We need to set up reminders, right? We need to talk about those things with our family and friends. We need to share the faithfulness of God. Deuteronomy 4.9 says, Only be careful and watch yourselves closely so that you do not forget the things your eyes have seen, or let them fade from your heart as long as you live. Teach them to your children and to their children after them. We need to set up reminders that, that show us the faithfulness of God. I've got, I've got two little reminders right here. There's a, a busted pipe and a little piece of clay brick. And this clay brick, especially those of you at the Rochette campus or some of you online, maybe some of you here at the Kennedy campus might recognize this, right? This, this brick is from when we ripped up the lower level of the Rochette building and built out our campus. And there's actually at the Rochette campus right behind the Connection Center, there's this cross made of these stones that a whole bunch of the people from that campus took and we glued them together to make that cross as a reminder of how God was faithful. After years of setting up and tearing down and hauling stuff, God gave us a permanent space. And God opened up a ton of doors to get us into that space, and we remember his faithfulness to us. And this busted pipe is from our house. And some of you guys that know me and know my family know some of the story, but, but God opened up incredible doors to, to get us into a house that we couldn't afford and God did some really crazy cool stuff to get us there, including having pipes burst when we didn't own it. And people help out to fix pipes on a house we didn't own so that it could pass inspection so that we could buy it. And God did that. And so we've got this little pipe. And these, these two things, along with some other things, sit in a little box on our shelf. And we, we talk about them with our kids about, hey, you know what, God, God did this for us. God cares about us. In, in with those two things, there's a piece of paper that Emily and I wrote years ago. Of kind of like, here's the things that we would love to be able to have in a house. And God answered almost all of them. Because he knows what we need. And he cares for us. And again, this isn't a promise that God's just going to always give us what we want. But when God answers prayer, when God is faithful, we need to remember that. Because tomorrow when we face the unknown... It's so good to have a reminder that God, we've been here before. God has never left me. Hebrews 13, 
8 says Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Our God doesn't change. And we can have confidence in that. And so as you face the unknown, remember that the God who rescued Israel is the same God who cares for you. Remember that the good Father who carried you through tough times in the past is the same good Father who carries you now. The future is unknown, but you don't have to walk through it alone. And the icing on the cake is this. The short term is really the only unknown. We know with certainty what the future holds. This is the final point, and it's the reminders that our future is guaranteed. John 14, Jesus says, don't let this throw you. You trust God, don't you trust me? There is plenty of room for you in my Father's home. If that weren't so, would I have told you that I'm on my way to get a room ready for you? And if I'm on my way to get your room ready, I'll come back and get you so that you can live where I live. And in response to that, Thomas goes, it's still unknown. I don't know where you're going. How do we get there? Jesus said, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. No one can come to the Father except through me. And Paul encourages the church this way in Philippians 1.6, being confident of this, that he who began a good work in you will carry it on into completion in the day of Christ Jesus. And so even though we face uncertainty, we face the unknown, we know the future. And we can know the future with certainty because it's guaranteed. So maybe you're here today, maybe you're, you're you're sitting with us online. Maybe you've, maybe you've never placed your trust in Jesus. Maybe you're struggling to trust him in the middle of whatever you're in right now. What is it that the good father is asking you to trust him with? We can't know what tomorrow holds. But Jesus invites us to trust him and to take the next step of obedience with him. You see, we can face the unknown because of who we face it with. And so that monster of the bed, that, that unknown that keeps us awake at night, we can get rid of that monster because we can face the unknown because we don't face it alone. We face it with Jesus. We face the unknown with a good father who has proved his faithfulness and his goodness to us time and time and time and time again. And we face the unknown with certainty because our future is guaranteed in Christ. I'm going to end with that. This reminder, this confidence that we can face the uncertainty, the unknown with Jesus. Next week, Pastor Matt will be back, and we're going to continue looking at these monsters under the bed. And he's going to be talking about the idea that we are today more connected than we've ever been before, and yet we still battle loneliness. What does the Bible talk to us about that? But we can face the future 
with Jesus. Let's pray together. Father God, we thank you that you are our Father and that you are a good Father and you love us more than we can ever comprehend. Jesus, we pray that as we wrestle with the the future and the unknown, that we would remember your faithfulness and your goodness and that we would walk in obedience to whatever it is you've called us to because we don't walk it alone. We walk it with you. And Jesus, we pray that we would just learn to trust you more and more as we rest in the certainty of who you are and our future that is wrapped up in you. Amen.